0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipshuts, and I'm an associate editor and the pop shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York on the other line in Los Angeles is the Bone Thugs to my Harmony. Keith Garfield, how's it going, Keith? I'm good. Have we reached a crossroads, Jason? I'll see you at the crossroads, man. That's uh you, hey, you got you got that one. You got that. Um, so yes, I'm, today, I'm familiar with
1: a Bone Thugs and Harmony song. <laughs>
0: Where did, did that song, was that song a number one hit? Yes. Oh, man. The Crossroads, one of my favorite songs of it, all time.
1: It's almost even like the first of the month right
0: now. but not uh, right. I miss my Uncle Charles, y'all. Anyway, uh, hey, hey, hey. so, Keith, we are at a little bit of a crossroads, uh, a happy crossroads, a bittersweet crossroads. Uh, I, I announced actually today, we're recording this on Monday, October 5th, and you're probably hearing this on Tuesday, October 6th. If you haven't been on social media, if you don't do any of those things, you may not know that this is my last week as the pop shop editor of Billboard.com. It is a it is a very weird, sad week. Uh, I am leaving Billboard after five amazing, incredible years and change and i i don't really want to talk about what's next if you if you care about what's next uh that's fine go check on online it's online but it's a it's a sad week man because this is my last pop shop podcast but it is it is so 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 far from the the final pop shop podcast because keith you're you're going to be manning the pop shop podcast boards from now on with a very special new co-host
1: yes <laughs> um yeah uh, if if uh, if you enjoyed the show while jason was on his honeymoon then you're really gonna like it coming up because katie atkinson <laughs> uh will be joining me um under duress uh, whether she likes it <laughs> come or not. on. It's
0: not under direct. It's not like you're holding a gun to her head. Like you join the pop shop podcast. You gotta do this now. Come, come to the pop shop dark side.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Katie will be uh, joining me and, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm too people. I've already told Jason my true feelings about this. Um, I'm very Wait. sad. I'm very sad.
0: You know uh, what? We'll we'll get into a. Uh, oh, we I'm, can't. We can't. We we'll we'll get into it later. We I want to get to the chart goodness first, but we'll, oh, I like. We'll,
1: the way... I like to see. Uh, let me just say, since okay. I
0: can, because you're leaving.
1: So you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I like the way you're like. Let me just kind of direct the conversation. I'm like, you know what? I don't think you can now, because you're leaving. <laughs> Bye. Um. Uh. Yes, we will talk about all sorts of news and events aside from the one that Jason just dropped on you. A but bomb. yeah, no. I'm I'm sad. But Jason will go on to do fabulous things at some other place. uh, And the Pop Shop podcast will continue to flourish and have lots of, uh, you know, Keith and Katie on it.
0: Yes. And we'll, we'll get into the future of the Pop Shop podcast later in the show. Also later in the show, we have an awesome interview with Jamie Lawson, a singer songwriter from the UK who has been tearing it up with his single. Wasn't expecting that. First signee to Ed Sheeran's new label, and he came in to talk about Ed and his debut album, which is out October 16th, and a lot more, so can't wait to get to that. And, Keith, as always, man, some housekeeping notes. If you love the Pop Shop Podcast as much as we do, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Give us a rating or review because it makes our hearts swell with pride and joy. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. I am at Jason Lipschutz. Hit us up with any questions, of course. And if you love the Pop Shot Podcast and want to explore more of the Billboard podcast realm, go to iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. That's plural. Also, Keith, we have a ton of chart goodness to get to. Hot 100, Billboard 200, um, Shawn Mendes, Drake, The Weeknd, Janet Jackson, Fetty Wap, and a lot more. Man, uh, are you ready to go? See si, you, senor. Alright man, so let's start with the Hot 100 Where The Weekends, The Hills Still number one But, you know, so Justin Bieber's number two With What Do You Mean okay. And yep. what do you mean Justin Bieber's number two What? Do you, uh, where are you now Justin Bieber's What Do You Mean um, But there at number three Man, is a song That I feel like might hit number one Hotline Bling from Drake Moves up from number four to number three Kind of breathing down the neck of the hills, and what do you mean? Uh, how close are they in terms of points? How 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 high do you think Hotline Bling can rise? Hotline Bling looks like it jumps four to three this
1: week. It has a 12 percent overall gain in points. And again, the Hot 100 blends airplay, sales, and streams together to come come up with the 100 most popular songs of the week in the United States. Um, it actually has a significant gain is fairly close to Justin Bieber who actually had a small erosion in points this week. So mm. Drake could overtake Justin next week. He's still a good deal behind the weekend at number 1 with the Hills, but that I mean at 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 the rate Drake's going, he could be number 1 in the next few weeks especially if maybe he drops a music video out of the sky. Yeah. Um you know, that could certainly uh, pump it up but you know, this this particular single hotline bling isn't from an existing album that he has out. It's just a standalone single. Though some people have said and maybe Jason you can, you know, uh, uh, educate me further that this may be from his views from the 6 album which has been um long rumored to be coming out at some point this year. Yeah, it's
0: it's always so tough to say with Drake because <laughs> because he, he surprises us. <laughs> you know, you you think about some of the songs he I mean, he got Nominated for a Grammy on uh, Zero to 100, and that was not on any official project, really. And you have this song, which might be his biggest hit to date, just at least as a solo artist, and we don't know really what it's on. Uh, It's not on What a Time to Be Alive, the new future collaboration, collaborative mixtape. It wasn't on, if you're reading this, it's too late. It might be on views from the six, but looking at the track record of 0 to 100, you never really know with Drake. Yeah.
1: Um, The the other thing to say about this song is that with its rise to number 3 on the Hot 100, it is actually, believe it or not, his highest-charting single as a lead artist since Best I Ever Had, which was... You which, da, you da best. which went to you number da, two in two thousand nine. Yeah, um, he's best. had obviously like best I ever had. he was on Rihanna's, you know, What's My Name, which was number one, but that was him being featured on the track, you I know. Love that uh, song. you know, but you know, She Will from Little Wayne went to number three, but that was again Little Wayne featuring Drake. Just kind of crazy that, you know, like so like there's been so much Drake music, and yet this is his highest charting single as a lead artist since two thousand
0: nine. Where did Hold On We're Going Home? That that was a big that was a big hit. But number four number four okay that's that's pretty crazy that hotline bling has already outcharted it in terms yeah. of hot 100 so we shall see or i guess i guess keith and katie I'll shall see, see.
1: <laughs> you can still you'll still be seen from afar you'll be no, i once. will still be seeing from you'll be watching that's very true but we'll but but still you'll have to wait for those charts unlike now when you get all that early
0: chart action <sighs> not anymore jason that's what happens what have, happens. I, done? What what have happens. I done what have you done Elsewhere on the Hot 100 in the top 10, Shawn Mendes gets his first top 10 hit with a song we've been talking about a lot. Stitches moves up 11 to 9. I, I love this song, and I'm-, I'm so happy that this song has really caught on. It, it seems like it's-, it's a legitimate radio hit. It-, it has been for a while, but it seems to be in, in heavy rotation now.
1: Yeah, no, it actually it's it's a legit hit. It's not it's one of those songs where you know it, it grew and he you know hustled at radio and he got a, a he got a solid radio hit out of it. The song moves eleven to nine on the Hot 100 and it's nineteenth week on the chart. It's up eight percent in overall points. Um, it's it's a solid radio hit and um, you know I think it's just it sort of continues to tell the story of Sean who you know started off on Vine, got signed to. Um, a label deal from his Vine videos and then saw his first album debut at number one on the Billboard 200 without any radio support. Yeah. Like period. And then since then, he's he's like basically done it in like a really sort of backwards sort of way, um, which kind of speaks to how he and a lot of people from his generation, the sort of the YouTuber social media generation, have really kind of changed the game and how you can find success in the music business.
0: Yeah. And we saw earlier this year uh, another act with a, a huge social support, uh, Fifth Harmony, take a couple ch- uh, swings at a, a radio hit and, and miss, and then finally connect with Worth It, I think that it, it just helps so much when you have all of that social support. It, it, I, I guess it, you could say it, it, it might just give an artist like Shawn Mendes some more time. Like If if an artist without that, that backing puts out a, a lead single and it doesn't really Ignite the world. Um, maybe you know people get impatient. People want a new project already. People don't want to put out more singles from this project. But because he has that support, you have stitches slowly grow, slowly grow, and just. I, what do you think about that? Do you think I'm I'm off base here?
1: No, I no, I think you you need both. I mean, in, yeah. the, in the perfect world, you need you you need fans like like passionate fans, and you need a, a consensus radio hit. And you know, you can be someone like Omi with cheerleader but i don't think his fans are sort of the fifth harmony type passionate fan base you could be fifth harmony with a lot of passionate fans but no actual real mainstream hit singles so if you can kind of meet in the middle and become someone who has a passionate fan base with a very active social online very engaged fan base but also get radio on your side get programmers on your side and get you know people who are not always on twitter to care about you yeah. Um, and that's that's the trick. And that's I think Fifth Harmony has been able to do that. And you got some scoop last week when you talked to, to one of the ladies from Fifth Harmony. Oh, yeah, that is true. They're working with Max Martin now on their next album, evidently.
0: Yeah, so I talked to Lauren from Fifth Harmony and, and that interview's up on Bilber.com. We'll link to it in the podcast post. But yeah, the, so they're going all out on their second album and they're already started. I, I think they're going overseas in late October, early November for a couple international tour dates. But for now in, in the next weeks and days and, and whatnot they are at max martin's uh la compound uh, cranking dun, out songs dun, dun. so yeah when, when i talked to camila <laughs> um at
1: iheart she said yeah like tomorrow like we're flying to la to start working on the album and yeah. she did not say anything about max martin though so you got the real scoop i got think. that real scoop man well you know
0: because you're good you're in good with the fifth harmony fifth i think harmony gals i try yeah. um Elsewhere on the Hot 100, uh, a couple debuts I wanted to, to note, Alive by Sia, the song that was co-written by Sia, Tobias Jesso Jr., and some lady named Adele. Adele. Uh, some, some some woman named Adele. You may have heard of her. Who is that Adele? That debuts at number 56. And, and Keith, I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I, I feel like this is a little bit of a soft debut for Alive. I was kind of expecting some more firepower. What? I don't know. I mean, I know that Sia is mostly known for Chandelier, but you figure like the lead single from the first album and Adele co wrote it and it has this splashy debut. And I don't know. Did it not? What did you think about this?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you know, one or two. I mean, really, I mean, how many real big hits does Sia have, like, as an artist? Chandelier. Um, And then, you know, there's like another couple minor hits but i mean what i mean chandelier was the song yeah um and just because you have a song or two that was a hit does not necessarily mean that everyone is you know you're automatically going to just generate hit after hit after hit so i think it's not about the first week it's about the long run and i think as we saw with chandelier and all the songs from her last album one thousand forms of fear it was about sort of a long process and a long run and I think that's what they're probably setting up this album, this next project for. And so it's not just about the first week. I wouldn't let that any. I wouldn't let that like taint anyone's uh, picture of what this song can do. Um, it's one of those sort of full, full throttle, like big voice, like you know, Whoa! moment type songs, um, which Sia does great. And when I heard it, I actually heard it for the first time, um, back in. October like like, uh, ooh, before the VMA, so in September sometime. Mm-hmm. No, uh, August. August, yeah, yeah, August. Um, I heard it for the first time then, and I was just like sort of blown away by like just how big of a song it is. And I'm like, I don't know how she could possibly like perform this like more than like a couple times because it would just blow her voice out. It's just one of those songs. It it really
0: is something. And you know, I I wrote about alive and how it was originally written for Adele and. Then I talked to the producer Jesse Shatkin, and and he said they uh, Adele politely politely turned it down, and then they considered sending it to Rihanna, and then finally Sia just said I, I want this for myself. So I think it's a great song, and I hope that it latches on at radio. I know it's just getting started there, but I'm uh I I I'm bullish on Alive. That's uh that's how I feel about that one, man. All right. Uh, also in that kind of soaring operatic. Mode that we are just speaking of, "Writings on the Wall." Sam Smith's James Bond theme song to Spectre debuts at number seventy-one, and this is after this was a kind of a limited chart week for that one, right? Didn't it come out? Like, didn't it just come out? Yeah, it came out on a Friday, so it oh, came okay. out on the right so day. So maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah.
1: Nope that's that's its uh, that's its that's its debut uh, seventy-one on the Hot 100. Um, I think I think it's one of those things where it's it's again starts off slow it's i don't think sam was necessarily going to have um i mean i think the perception would be like oh sam smith coming back you know with his first you know new new single after a string of hits from his last album you know but i think because this is a james bond theme and because it's a slower song you know maybe those things were working against it um so yeah i don't know why it didn't start bigger but i think you know considering that the movie that this song is associated with which is called specter uh, does not come out until I want to say like mid-November. Yeah, I think around um, then. This is one of those songs where it's going to be. It's not just about the first week. Again, it's 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 the long haul, and this song hopefully will stick around for the next few months. Um, strangely, though, when they just announced, um, I mean, strangely but not so strangely, they just announced a upcoming deluxe reissue yeah. of Sam's album, uh, "The Writings on the Wall." Uh, no, not "The Writings on the In Wall." The Lonely, the lonely I Hour. I apologize, um, but. The writings on the wall, which is the name of the single, will not be on Sam's deluxe version of this album, which probably isn't that surprising because they probably want to retain it for Bond related activities. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean it's sort of a soft start, but you know, on the on the flip side, over in the UK, it became the first theme song from a James Bond film to hit number one on the official UK singles charts. Oh wow. So, I so did not know that. Deal. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, I uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this song. I feel like I I don't know. Are you a fan
1: of writings on the wall? Have we talked about this? We haven't really talked about it. I mean, I like it. Um, I I I kind of. It's it's very, it's what you expect of a James yeah. Bond theme. Um, just much in the way you know Skyfall was very sort of like channels that classic Shirley Bassey kind of big voiced you know strings and orchestra swells and. Uh, You know, but at the same time, you know, how is this, how is the Sam Smith song really that different from any other Sam Smith song? Um, You know, it's,
0: it's, I don't know. What do you think, Jason? No, I I feel, I feel the exact same way. I feel like, I I feel like with the James Bond theme song, and and this really isn't Sam Smith's fault. If you deviate too much from what's expected of a James Bond theme song, you're going to get criticized but Mm -hmm. I feel like this plays it a little too safe and I feel like he looked at the Skyfall playbook and said this is what worked for Skyfall I should think about what worked for Skyfall and I think what worked for that is going to work for me and I I don't know like I was saying that I kind of like if if say in a in a in an alternate universe that his song with Disclosure uh, Omen was the James Bond theme song where it's it's kinda like a little spooky and it's dancey, but it it's not too far off the beaten path. I, I I kinda would like that more. You're 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 kinda as you said, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, James exactly. Bond
1: theme. You're you're kind of you're and we talked about this when you were gone on your honeymoon. Actually, when the news came out that Sam was doing the song, Katie and I talked about it, and we had this whole recap
0: of our favorite Bond theme song. I listened. I listened to that, listened to that segment. Uh, yeah. Yours was uh, Duran Duran, right?
1: Um, I know Duran Duran was in there. Yeah. Um, so it was Madonna's, and you know, Madonna's "Die Another Day" is one of those songs where it it there's some elements of Bond in it, but it's very distinctly Madonna. So I think Sam um, held on to the sort of expected recipe of a james bond theme kept it within his wheelhouse um i like the song i wish it might have been you know take a, a few more chances with it i really wish maybe the song would have been called specter uh, yeah you know or work in the lyric specter because um, you know it's not like he was doing a movie called octopussy you know he could have <laughs> where it's like octopussy i mean no you have to clearly name that something else yeah um so it's like you know the the specters in the wall. I kind of like I kind of like your fake octopusy song though. I gotta say that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that was probably demoed at
0: some point by some by some singer. <laughs> um, yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that debuts at number 71 on this week's Hot 100. Let's Keith. Let's discuss a couple songs that are not in the top 10, not in the top 20, and might not even be in the top 40. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But we think they're going to be hits soon enough, nonetheless, and that's why we call this segment Soon-to-be Hits. All right, man. We got two Soon-to-be Hits this week. I think I'm going to go first, if that's okay?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to surprise you because I'm going to change mine mid midstream. You don't even know what mine's going to be. I
0: have no idea what yours is going to be. So... The, heat, the heat, soon to the, be heat the soon to be heat, soon to be the soon to be hit that I'm going to be talking about this week is from someone who has had some success on the Hot 100 this this year. His name is Fetty Wap. You might know him from his many many hits of 2015, including Trap Queen and Six Seven Nine and My Way. Worth pointing out that his latest single again moves up to 39 on this week's Hot 100, giving him yet another top 40 hit. This is, I believe, the fourth official single from his self-titled debut album, which we are going to get to on the Billboard 200 albums chart in a second. But I wanted to point this one out, and Keith actually tipped me off that it enters the top 40 this week, and I thought this was perfect because I think that in the same way that My Way and 679 didn't really have that kind of sustained success as as much as Trap Queen, which is obviously very difficult to capture once again, I think that, again is maybe the song that can do it for him to to get him back into that top 10 and top five uh trap queen obviously peaked in number two i don't know if again is going to get it there but i think that this song is going to be around for a while so that is my soon to be hit uh what's yours man I know and
1: Jason's like what are you changing this to? I have no idea, yeah. I I had an epiphany, not really an epiphany. Um but I feel that my soon to be hit should actually be Lady Gaga's cover of I Want Your Love.
0: Oh. Hey, hey, oh. Hey, oh.
1: Um which is not even a single. It's I I, <laughs> I it's not even a single, but it it came out uh last Friday um as Like just a special one-off cover that she did for Tom Ford's um, new uh, fashion line, his new collection. And instead of presenting a traditional runway show, he decided to make a music video that was soundtracked uh, to a cover of Sheik's I Want Your Love by Lady Gaga. And of course, Lady Gaga is actually in the uh, video. And she's strutting down the runway with a lot of you know, glamorous models and glamorous clothes. And Nile Rogers, of course, of Chic, who we've had on the show before, uh, plays bass on the track. Um, so I'm like, I, I, I tweeted this. I'm I'm all in on this cover. I hope that um, Gaga's label Interscope does something with this. You know, even if they just sort of like softly release it as a white label promo to club djs or something you know i kind of i would just like to see this on our charts because i think it's so cool and so awesome and it's nice to see like gaga doing like a great classic dance song and it's just awesome so i hope it's a hit i don't know if it will be because maybe it's not even a single but i think it could be a hit so there you go there's my soon-to-be hit lady gaga's cover of "Sheiks i want your love (laughs) Lady Gaga, by the way,
0: worth noting, our Women of the Year at Billboard. Indeed. We'll be honoring her later this year. Very, very cool. And it's just been a big year for Gaga, even though she didn't necessarily put out an album this year. Academy the- Awards
1: performance, tributing the Sound of Music, the Tony yeah. Bennett tour that she had, this new uh, the American Horror Story. She stars in the TV show on FX. Uh, kind of a big year.
0: Yeah, unbelievable and the song she just put out with Diane Warren is, is really a stunner as well so yeah. I can't wait to hear some more Lady Gaga music man so Fetty Wap and Lady Gaga on this week's soon to be hits All right, man. speaking of Fetty Wap we have a new number one album on the Billboard 200 albums chart and it is Fetty Wap by Fetty Wap funny how that works out so Keith you, you <laughs> it's true Keith, you wrote about it this week, uh, and to me, this is pretty. This is a pretty impressive debut, man. It's it's an all right debut. Just all right. Interesting.
1: It's just all right. Funny, like I had actually heard uh, sort of rumblings of a larger start for this particular album. Um, A while back. um, But I think those were just sort of rumblings. Uh, It never really got to um, like a confirmed forecast, so to speak. Uh, The album, as we said, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It moved 129,000 equivalent album units in the week ending October 1st, according to Nielsen Music. Of that figure... 75,000 were actually album sales. The rest of that figure was made up of track-equivalent albums and streaming-equivalent albums, because, you know, of course, the Billboard 200 is that that fancy math where we combine album sales with tracks and streams, and we get the most popular albums in, in the country. woo So Fetty Wap is number one. Um, it's an all-right week. I, I kind of thought it would be bigger after all the success he's had with his singles, but it's really difficult to get, um, you know, sort of perceived singles-oriented artists to have those those fans translate that into album sales, um, as we see, but still seventy five thousand isn't that bad. Pretty good number. Um, could have been bigger. It actually wasn't the top selling album of the week. Uh, do you know what the mm. top selling album of the week was in terms of pure album sales? Uh
0: jeez, you're putting me on the spot, man. Guess uh you didn't read
1: my story there, did you, Jason? Was it Future and Drake? Uh, no, actually, it was Don Henley's new album, Cast oh. County. It sold 87,000 copies last week. Um, its overall unit total was 89,000. That makes him the number three album on the Billboard 200, but the number one album on our top album sales chart. So it's, again, one of those weeks where we have differing albums atop the sales chart and the
0: overall Billboard 200 chart. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me, though, because we, we note obviously— How much each album sells, and even though Fetty Wap's wasn't number one on the sales chart, he's number one because he's the most popular album. This, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. I I mean, here's the thing: I think that this is impressive for Fetty Wap because if you think about it, the Trap Queen has cooled off a little bit. I mean, it's it's not really a radio staple anymore. He's had some songs really connect. Obviously, my way and six seven nine both top ten hits, I believe, uh, and now again is like I just said is rising. But you, you, he didn't come into this September twenty fifth release with a ton of momentum. Plus, it was it was such a hugely busy week for album releases, and it always kind of is with the the last week of September because last it's a lot week of, of Grammys. Yeah, last week of Grammy eligibility. I think that this is I I I would be very okay if I was if I was Fetty Wap's team with this debut. Number one hey, debut. It's number one. There yeah. you go. That's <laughs> and it's the first, as you pointed out in your piece, the first number one for a hip hop debut uh, since asap Rocky, like two and a half years ago in January 2013. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, like I said, ton of top ten debuts. Do you want to? Do you want to break down a couple more, man?
1: Um. Yeah, I will. Um. As I as so like, many, so many, so many top ten hits. In fact, the, I mean, so many top ten hits. So many top ten debuts. In fact, there's seven. Debuts in the top ten this week on the Billboard 200. Of course, Fetty Wap leads the pack at number one, uh, and then Don Henley debuts at number three with Cass County. That's actually his highest-charting solo album ever. Number four is George Strait's "Cold Beer Conversation." Uh, number six is debut from Thomas rett another country singer, yeah. uh, with his album called "Tangled Up." Uh, number eight debut from Churches, uh, "Every Open Eye." Great album. Uh, number nine debut for Disclosure,
0: "Caracal." great and album number 10 uh dead weather debuts with dodge and burn very cool man a lot lot of great music that came out this week Ever, everyone rushed week. in
1: for that last week of uh grammy eligibility
0: yeah and keith i want to talk about next week on the billboard 200 and it seems like unbreakable by janet jackson is going to be the big album debut is it is it gunning for number one um, it, it looks like it has a shot at number one right now. I mean, it seems to be like the, the
1: biggest album that came out um, last week. I think the next biggest might be like Tamar Braxton's album, possibly, because mm-hmm. um, you, you had this big rush in like the last two weeks of September, and then there was a little bit of a gap in breathing room. And I think Janet's taking advantage of that um, accidentally or not. Um, her album, according to very early industry forecasts, mm-hmm. may do around 100,000 overall units. Uh, Most of that figure actually could be album sales. Um, So, yeah, she could be looking at a number one debut on the Billboard 200, and that would actually mark her—hold on, I've got numbers— that would mark her seventh number one album. Um, She previously hit number one with, in uh, order from the most recent to the first, uh, Discipline back in 2008, All For You in 2001, The Velvet Rope in 1997, the janet period album in 1983 uh rhythm nation 1814 or more fully janet jackson's rhythm nation 1814 in 1989 and of course control in 1986 so it looks like janet may hit number one stay tuned to billboard.com for all of
0: our forecasts as the week progresses so keith just a quick question before we move on uh from janet i am a little surprised in in a good way by this number uh if if Early industry forecasts do hold, and it does send around, sell around a hundred thousand. I mean, we, we've seen over the past couple of years that the, the we've t- and we've talked about it on the show the kind of aging diva rule, where artists with amazing track records but d- without any kind of current radio hit have real trouble selling albums. So you saw it from Mariah, and you saw it from Kylie, and you saw it from Jennifer Lopez. What is separating? Janet Jackson, from that? Because as far as I can tell, nothing has really taken off a radio from this new album.
1: Um, well, I mean, No Sleep, which was, or No Sleep, Sleep. Uh, which was the first single from the album, has done okay on adult R&B radio, which... Great,
0: I, uh, a song I, I really like again.
1: Oh, that that's one of those songs that's actually like the first listen, you're like, hmm, this is cool. And like the fourth listen, you're like, all right, this is one of those slow-burning jams that you can like Slow listen burning. to and there's very little burn on it. Like it just, you can repeat it Which is a great signal of a song that will hold on. I like the song. Um, The video is awesome. Uh, It's weird how like there's some sort of voodoo where Janet doesn't look any different than she did in like 1993, basically. Um, But I think, you know, I, I think a lot of this has to do with just the excitement of having Janet Jackson back with her first new studio album in forever, like since 2008. I think was her last one. So it's been a very long time since a new studio album and she's on tour right now and like boatloads of hits, just nothing but the hits in these shows and like the shows are selling great. And I think there's kind of like this just warm embrace of all things Janet. So it's not necessarily about like the song's not working. It's just anything Janet related will do, you know, pretty okay right now. The point to ponder discipline started, last album started with 181,000 in its first week granted that was seven years ago so that's you know a million years ago to compare Mariah Carey's last new studio album which was me I am Mariah the elusive chanteuse Chanteuse. started with 58,000 in its first week so you know I I think you know and Mariah hadn't gone away for that long you know comparatively so I think this is you know actually if we think about it it's actually a pretty good number considering you know what year we're at where no one really sells albums anymore um and i think it also speaks to her kind of like legacy and how she has a lot of fans that are coming out to support her in the first week um and that will probably be reflected on next week's billboard
0: 200 chart i think it also helps that she came out with this new album on the right week because next week we have selena gomez the week after Demi lovato the week after that five seconds of summer so i yeah. think that If she is going to score a number one album debut, this was the week to put out her album. It's all about timing. (laughs) All right, man. So you guys will keep track of Janet Jackson's Unbreakable album on future Pop Shot podcasts. So we got to get to Jamie Lawson again, singer-songwriter out of the UK with a ton of talent and an incredible backstory. 39 years old and was friends with Ed Sheeran when they were both touring – The UK together. He's 39? 39 years old, man. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) His song, Wasn't Expecting That, was a hit in 2011 in Ireland. And Ed Sheeran took a, a, a huge shine to that song. And after Ed Sheeran became a superstar and set up his own label within Atlantic, Gingerbread Man Records, Jamie became the first signee to Gingerbread Man Records. He's been opening for Ed Sheeran. He opened for One Direction. Uh, a, a quick backstory, actually, before Jamie came in for the PopShot podcast interview, I actually spoke to him on the phone for uh, a Q&A that's actually going to run separately uh, from the PopShot podcast. And when I talked to him, it was the afternoon of his first show opening for One Direction in the uh, O2 Arena over in London. And no pressure. <laughs> midway through our phone conversation, he like cut out for a second, and then he came back, and he was like, Hey, sorry, sorry for that. Uh, Harry Styles just walked by me, and I I wanted to say hi and introduce myself. And like, I was like, "Wow, like you could have gone and like talked to him for a couple minutes. Like, I was like, you didn't have to keep talking to me, man. That's fine." But uh, James James is a really cool guy, and his debut self-titled debut album comes out in the states on October 16th. We talked about Ed Sheeran and breaking it into the U.S., and all that and more. Here's Jamie Lawson on the Pop Shop Podcast.
2: It was only a smile, but my heart, it went wild. I wasn't expecting that.
0: Do you feel disconnected from the song in the sense that it's, it's four years ago that it was a hit in Ireland, and, and four years ago, or, or longer than four years ago, you actually wrote these words?
2: No, I don't. I have no. no sense of disconnection. It's still one of those songs that moves me. Uh, I still smile every time I sing it. It's just weird. <laughs> you know, there well, that's are. I, I have other songs that I've that you know that I may have written at a similar time that I have less connection to. But for whatever reason, this one sticks, yeah. which is good because I have to sing it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: that's pretty rare to get a song like I. I couldn't go back to something I. I wrote. Four years ago, uh, as a journalist or as a writer, and be like, "Oh, I'm I'm right where I am, and it, it the, I I'm am right at that same point." But it's great that this song seems so universal, and and it seems to really capture who you are. That you can be, that you can do that.
2: It's it's um because of the song of the nature of the song, which is the fact that we go from the beginning of this relationship from the moment they met to the very end. You can come in at it at any point. So the fact now that I am four years, five years down the line from when I wrote it and I am in a different uh stage of my life just means I slot into the song at a different point. Yeah. So I can still see myself in there. And just like anyone else that picks up on it, whether it's, you know, uh One Direction fans yeah. who are very young, they connect to it because they're at the first they're at the start of this song. And yet those One Direction fans, parents, grandparents who are with them at these gigs, take them to these gigs, and then come up and say, oh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I didn't want to come to the show. I had to bring my kids. <laughs> but uh, I'm really glad I did. This means a lot to me too now. You know, I'm going to be getting all your music. So, so they, everybody fits in it somewhere.
0: Speaking of which, you just played a couple gigs with One Direction. Yep. What were those those screaming fans like? What Was it intimidating at all?
2: I was, I was very... Um, anxious isn't the word uh skeptical okay. as to why I would be there because it came from their side so we were invited rather than most usually for these sort of things you know people there must like have been please. a lot of bands going to one direction yeah. saying we'd love to open up for you and you know people pay to get on those tours you know but they came to us so I was I was I I didn't know how it was going to work I kind of did it because um that's a massive opportunity to reach a lot of people that you would never reach and if if you only reach 10% of them that's a lot of people still so uh but um so far I've been uh really overwhelmed and pleasantly surprised by the fact that these kids as we're calling them are connecting to the songs you know
0: darling I will be loving you I want to ask about Ed uh, and, and signing to his label and just the fact that I'm sure you've gotten a million questions about this, but just in, in, in the fact that do you ever wonder what he saw in you and what he heard in your music? Because I'm sure this dude gets so many demos and I'm sure that he hears a ton of singer-songwriters who are aspiring to be like him and, and be playing on these huge stages. What What do you think...
2: Connected, you guys. Well, he says it's that he he heard wasn't expecting that and cried, and he says he never has an emotional response wow. to music. He does for films and TV or whatever, but never to music. So he, I think that probably shook him to think that maybe this is something different. Um, and he said he still cried the sixth time he listened to it. Wow! <laughs> so, you know, it's that emotional response, and he had. He heard other songs and thought they were good too, you know. So we've got songs that live up to. Wasn't expecting that, which is good. It's a good place to be at. Yeah, know? there's things to follow and come through. Come f- through after it. Um. So I, you know, he talks about it as if he can't believe I've not been signed before, like he just assumed that would happen, and, and to some extent I probably did too, and, <laughs> and it didn't. So, but I just kind of. I always thought that I had the songs and the talent to do it. Yeah. To back it up to to you know, I knew that my my music and my songs connected to people when people heard it. It was just a case of getting it to people. Yeah. That was the struggle. So I'm very grateful to him for taking the chance. Uh he doesn't see it as a chance at all. He saw it as a no-brainer, but it is a chance. It's he put his he's put his uh you know, his artistic integrity on the line in some ways by saying, I think you should listen to this because it's good. So I'm very grateful.
0: So thanks again to Jamie Lawson for stopping by the podcast again. His debut album, also called Jamie Lawson, is out October 16th. Go check out Wasn't Expecting That, which was, like I said, a hit in 2011 and now is taking off in the States.
1: You know what's interesting, before you move on, yeah, is that when you said he was 39, I was stunned because yeah. you just don't hear about, you know, pop singers on the radio who are over the age of, like, 22.
0: I know. It's crazy. Um, So he
1: and Rachel Platten, who are both in the—she's 34, mm-hmm. um, and she had a big hit, um, of course, uh, but she still has a hit right now. And then saw, now you have yeah. Jamie, who is on our adult— pop songs chart with wasn't expecting that he's in the top well 20 uh with that track i don't know if it moves up this week i i wonder i mean i think that gives uh it gives some um quote-unquote older uh pop artists some hope that maybe it's not all just about the the viners who have great cheekbones and are like you know 14 (laughs) you know (laughs) like (laughs) which are great too there's there's room for all of them there's room for everyone in this game and if, if we can have a little bit more room for some 39 year old singer songwriters that's great too.
0: I think I know where you're hinting at man.
1: I'm well I'm I'm not that I'm not that far away from from Jamie's age. I can I can make it happen I think.
0: Well, we can make it happen. That's that's, right. that's my thing. Is we, that we always joked about this? If if Rachel Platten and Jamie Lawson can make it in this world, damn it, Keith, so can we. Let's go. Let's form our. W- were not we going to form like a reggae group at some point? We were. We were going
1: to do um, a reggae track because that would be the. It would be the, if Summit. we did a reggae song, it would be the easiest to get onto our reggae digital songs chart because you don't have to sell a whole lot because reggae songs don't sell that much. That was my theory. That
0: was. Oh my goodness! I you could can't do like wait. a new
1: age track, a new age reggae track. Um, Double our chances.
0: <laughs> next summer, man, it's going to be 2015 was the summer of Omi's Cheerleader, 2014 was the summer of Magic's Rude, and 2016 will be the pop reggae stylings of Jason and Keith.
1: We you, we can perform it at the Hot 100 Festival next year.
0: Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> Keith, it's time, man, for your chart stat of the week.
1: Okay, so my chart stat of the week is about – Someone who is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> well it's not about what Jason thinks it is.
0: Oh no, no really?
1: I didn't go there. I, oh, asked come on. I, I actually asked Jason, like, hey, what do you want the, the chart side of the week to be about? And then he suggested who it was, and I'm like, Yeah, oh, I can't. <laughs>
0: then you said no, there. I
1: can't believe it. <laughs> so I'm still gonna I'm still gonna make it somewhat related okay. to 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 you and I. Let's see what uh, you got. Uh, this week in nineteen seventy three, on October sixth. Cher hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with Half Breed. That's all I ever heard. Half Breed. How I love to hate the word. Um, and of course, this was one of four number one solo hits for Cher. Uh, she also hit the top with uh, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Dark Lady, Dark Lady, and then uh, Believe in 1999. Uh, why this is important is not just because it happened uh, this week in history, but also because we discussed Cher on the very first Billboard Pop Shop podcast just slightly more than two years ago on October 3rd, 2013. So there's, it's like a fake chart stat of the week. It's just
0: me saying, hey, Cher was number one. And oh, by the way,
1: on our first show, we also talked about Cher. <laughs>
0: Unbelievable! Should we tell, we got to tell people what we're going to say. So you asked me my favorite chart stat. Yeah. And I said, I, I, I immediately have one because it's the only chart stat I ever like know and remember in terms of like historical chart stats. And it is the biggest sales week, debut sales week, I believe. But I think overall sales week. Might be, yeah for a rock album in the in, Nielsen music era so in the Nielsen music era yeah the biggest debut sales week for a rock album is you, you now you're racking your brain you're like wow there's some great rock albums that have come out over the past you know how, how when, when was Nielsen uh, era it was like 92 1991 91 so 24 years what? none could outsell in one single frame Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, Limp biscuit. Uh, I, th- I think it sold close to a million copies in one week. And it passed a Pearl Jam album, I believe Versus, to become the the, the the record holder. And I don't think that record will ever be broken. So Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Um, the, the, the chart stat that I wanted, the chart set that people wanted, the, not the chart set we got. We got chair. Thank you, Keith, for your chart stat of the week. Oh, man, oh, man. So, yeah, so uh, as I as I said at the, the top of the show, so I am after, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I, I keep saying after five years of Billboard, I, I joined the Billboard staff in July 2010. But you were Keith, here
1: before that, weren't you?
0: I was. Uh, I, I started in August 2008 as an editorial intern Um to give you some perspective of how long I've been associated with billboard the week that I started at billboard as an, as an intern, the big news story was that John McCain had selected a relative unknown named Sarah Palin to be his running mate. So we're going way back. Um, so it's been over seven years. Uh, I'm 28 years old. So that's a quarter of my life at billboard. And, um, this was a very emotional thing for me. And I'm incredibly excited about my next step. Um, and you know, like I said, if if you want to find out what I'm doing next, I'm not going to plug it here. Uh, I will. I will say that I will be podcasting still at, at my next location. Oh, really? Now oh, I have competition. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man, you're already making it hard
1: enough. I have to keep this thing afloat without you. And then now you're going to have a competition. The I new, bet you the this, new I bet podcast. You this show that, I bet you this other show you'll have will launch on a Tuesday each week, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> the new you might pop- talk about charts, don't you? The new,
0: <laughs> the new podcast. <laughs> the new podcast will strictly be a pop shop podcast takedown podcast where you guys each will post. You
1: just like rip into the pop shop. Like, exactly. It'll, what's it, Keith
0: it, rambling about this week? You guys will post on Tuesday, and we'll listen and post on Wednesday. Be like, well, here are some factual errors, and oh, I hated this part. And no, I'm of, of, of course I'm kidding. I want you to do it in that voice each week. Wow, that means Wow, sense. it's Jason Lampshot <laughs> saying, "Welcome, <laughs> I've got my eye on the world." Um, any, anywho, so about a little about two and a half years ago or so it was like the summer of 2013 I, I kept pushing to have a podcast on Billboard I thought that it, it would just make a ton of sense and we had never had one before Billboard we had, had never, never had, had one. A,
1: a pod we had had other sort of like you know uh, like live
0: you know weekly sort of video things but we yes. never had a podcast yeah and and it, it's funny because they were like okay do you want this to just be you and I was like no I, I need a co-host and, and they were like Okay, well, X, Y, and Z like are in the New York office, on the char team, they would be great, and obviously everybody else would have been great, but I said no, we got to get Keith. Because uh Keith even though we're the we're... cheapest person
1: available. So, <laughs> totally worked out. I was Keith... the most affordable person in the Exactly. Chart.
0: His his contract was uh his podcasting contract was very affordable. Right. <laughs> no, Keith um was the obvious choice just because the, of your personality and your knowledge and your wit and, of course, your love for Madonna. Uh, Got to keep in the Madonna yeah, fan. You, you
1: need that every week on the show.
0: And, uh, yeah, so we posted our first podcast October 3rd, 2013. It sounded much worse than it does now. Yeah, don't go back and listen. Please to it. never go back and listen to those. But uh, I, I can honestly say, and I, I said this when we had our 100th episode about a couple months ago but it this really is my one of my favorite parts of my time at Billboard is just being on the phone with Keith sometimes in person but being on the phone with Keith and just chopping it up and it's it's just a blast i can't i can't describe how much fun i know that we do this for an audience but like i would just do this myself like anytime and i'm sure that i'm going to be calling you and bugging you um, about chart stats and music, and be like, "Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, what is this? So, how's that new Tovlo single selling? Yeah, how's that Charlie XCX?
1: <laughs> um, there's, a, there's like, there's always a core group
0: of pop artists that I know that you're
1: gonna call me and ask for. How's that
0: new Fifth Harmony track burning up the charts? Exactly. So, uh, I, I'm very excited about my next step, but I'm I'm very sad to be leaving the Pop Shop podcast. Two things, though. First of all, I, I beg all of you to continue listening to the Pop Shop podcast. I know you guys will anyway. You don't need me to beg you, but Katie does such a fantastic job. She's she's one of my favorite people at Billboard, uh, along with Keith, of course. And when you guys were doing it together, when I was on my honeymoon, honeymoon, I was listening. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is awesome." Like the the show will continue to be great. She's so knowledgeable. She's so funny, and I can't wait to hear what you guys do together. The other thing I want to mention is that. Although this is my last show as PopShop Podcast co-host, I've already told Keith and Katie I am 100% crashing future episodes as, as a special guest person or panelist or co-host or whatever the hell you want to call me. But this is very far from my last PopShop Podcast uh, appearance.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, when when and if you are on red carpets with me, but you are working for a different outlet. So, you know, at the, at the American Music Awards, at the Grammy Awards next year, or at perhaps the Billboard Music Awards, when you may be there representing whatever new publication you work for, <laughs> and hopefully I have a better spot than you on the carpet, um, hey oh, no. I'm you definitely stupid.
0: will. No, you definitely will.
1: Hey, you never know. Um, then you can come by, and I can interview you, and like it's like, I can interview you for the show, oh but in a goodness. different capacity.
0: Like, no, we should never do that. would that be cool? <laughs> We should definitely never do that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sad to be leaving you, but uh, thank you for all of the fun times. And uh, I'm going to miss the show. I'm going to miss you. But I know that we will stay in touch both on the podcast and off the podcast. We will.
1: I'm not getting emotional now. I'm like, it'll be fine. You'll be all right. <laughs> Everything will be awesome. Every week on the Pop Shop podcast, the guest will be Madonna, or at least her voicemail. <laughs>
0: Cause she just refuses to call me back. <laughs> That'd be awesome if you just kept like, let's go to Madonna's voicemail to see what it has to say. And it says, "Hello, you've reached Madonna. I'm not here right
1: now." If Madonna calls, I'm not here. It's <laughs> so, like it's um, just like every week. It's a voicemail from another diva. I've called Cher's voicemail.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, this I week, mean,
1: I'm calling Shania Twain's voicemail. Sorry. I can't believe you made the charts to Cher. That's that's fantastic. It makes perfect sense. Um,
0: Keith, do you have any parting words?
1: Um, if I could turn back time, I wouldn't do it any different, Jason.
0: Ah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. We're definitely not going to go out on a share song. We're definitely (laughs) going (laughs) to get out of here with that. Uh, It it is my last show as co-host, so we are going to go out on Michelle Branch's "Goodbye to You." Thank you, guys, all for listening. Please keep in touch. Uh, Keep listening to the Pasha Podcast, and thank you, guys, all for the kind words. Thanks again, and take care.